the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you, and I hope you do, I know you do, if you want to be a strong believer, if you want to live a victorious Christian life, the Word of God must abide in you. It must live in, in you. There's no, you know, there's no shortcut to a victorious life. There's no secret sauce, right? In today's passage, John describes the various stages of spiritual development and the growth that takes place as you walk with the Lord. Just as there are stages in life from infant to adulthood, there are also stages of spiritual maturity. Today's scripture will encourage you in your faith. Pastor Dan reminds you in today's message, if you are in Christ, know that the Word of God abides in you. Listen as Pastor Dan teaches this truth from multiple scriptural references in the Bible. And now, open your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 2 as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. We left off in verse 12, where it says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you've known the father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Well, here in in verses 12 to 14, John describes for us the, the stages of development in our spiritual life. Uh, just, just as we have stages of development in our, in our physical body, there are stages of development uh, in our spiritual life as well. He tells us that these stages of our spiritual development are that of a little child or little children, and then young men or young women, and then mature fathers. And he describes for us the characteristics of each of these three stages of development. Uh, And as we study through these verses, 
one question you could ask yourself is, is, is where do I fit? Or at what stage of development am I? Am I a child in the faith? Am I a young man or young woman in the faith? Am I a mature father in the faith? And so he, he begins here with the first stage, and that is the little children. Verses 12 and 13, he, he addresses the little children in both verses here. Now, before we talk about little children, we need to talk about how you become a child, first of all. You, you, aren't, you don't just become a child of God just by showing up or joining a church or, or anything like that. You, you have to be born into the family of God. Just like physically you have to be born into a family, you have to be born into the family of God to become a child of God. Uh, what Jesus called being born again. Jesus said, unless a person is born again, they will not even see the kingdom of God. And so you must be born again to be part of the family of God. How is someone born again? By putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for their sins. And so once a person does that and they're born again, they become a child of God. And John tells us here in verses 12 and 13, he tells us, two things that characterize the children of God, little children. He says, first of all, in verse 12, they realize that their sins are forgiven. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. So someone who is a child in the faith, someone who is a baby Christian, someone who is a new believer, they may not know the names of the four gospels. And they may not be able to tell you the difference between an apostle and an epistle. That was a joke. <laughs> boom, boom, I'll be here every Sunday at 10 o'clock. So. They may not know much, but what they do know is that their sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. A little child, a new believer, they may not be able to tell you much, but they can tell you this, that Jesus Christ died for me on the cross and I'm forgiven. And I'm set free through him. You know, I'm reminded of the story in John chapter 9. Uh, it's, it's a great story. It's kind of a comical story about this man who uh, was born blind and he is at the temple in Jerusalem begging. That's not the comical part of it. But Jesus comes up to this man and Jesus doesn't, uh, doesn't introduce himself to the man. He comes up to this blind man and he doesn't say, you know, hey, I'm Jesus. Maybe you've heard of me. I've healed other blind people. I can help you. I can heal you of your blindness. No, instead, as you read the text in John chapter 9, Jesus walks up to the man. He spits on the ground. He makes some mud and doesn't say anything to him. And he takes the mud and just starts smearing it into the guy's eyes without saying anything at all to him. Can you imagine this blind man who's just sitting there and somebody walks up and just starts putting mud in his eyes. You know, what does he think? What's going on? And then Jesus says to the blind man, go to the pool of Siloam and wash your eyes. And so now this blind man, who's probably up on the steps leading up to the temple, now he, he's got to find his way down to the pool of Siloam and wash his eyes. And if you know the story, when he does, he's healed of his blindness. And after he's healed of his blindness, he goes back up to the temple, back up those same steps, 
And he goes into the temple, and there are people there that recognize him. And they're saying, isn't this the blind guy that was sitting outside on the steps? And others were saying, well, it looks like him. I don't know if it's him because he's not blind. And he's saying, no, it's me. It's me. I've been healed of my blindness. And so then he's brought to the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes. And they began to ask him questions. How did you get healed? And he says, a man named Jesus. But mud my eyes, told me to go to the pool of Siloam, wash my eyes, I did, and I was healed. And they, it, it turns into this big ordeal where they start interrogating this, this guy who was healed. They don't believe him that he was once blind. In fact, they, they send for his parents. They make his parents come, and his parents have to verify that, yes, he truly was born blind. They don't believe him at all. Can you imagine if you were blind and healed of your blindness, and nobody believes you? And now he's, you know, no, really, I was blind. I've been blind my whole life. I've been healed. He's got to convince them. So then they start asking him, well, who do you say Jesus is? What do you, and he said, I don't know, maybe he's a prophet. And then, well, he can't be a prophet. And they're going out and on, on, on him with all of this. And then finally, he just says to them, who Jesus is, I, I don't know. But I do know this. I was blind and now I see because of Jesus. That's all I can tell you. And for a new believer, a, a, a baby Christian, a little child in the faith, often all they can tell you is, hey, my sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. And, and you can ask them theological questions or doctrinal questions. Hey, do you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church? Do you believe mid-trib, post-trib? Are you Calvinist, Arminianist? Do you believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today? Do you practice immersion, baptism, or sprinkling? You can ask them all these doctrinal questions you want, and they'll look at you and say, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what those words mean. All I know is my sins are forgiven. All I know is once I was blind and now I see. All I know is once I was dead in my sins and trespasses and Jesus Christ made me alive. I don't know the answer to all those other questions you have, but this I know. And my sins are forgiven me. A new believer has just a, a, a simplicity, an innocence to their faith. And, and, it's, and it's a joy to be around them. It's, it's refreshing to be around them because of the simplicity of their faith. Notice, look at verse 12 again. Notice what he says here. He says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's Sake. Now, what does that mean? His name's sake. His name, the name of Jesus, it, it speaks of his character. It speaks of his purpose. If you remember the Christmas story, when the angel came to Joseph and told Joseph that he should name the son Jesus. And then he said, you shall name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's what the name Jesus means. The name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. And his name is to be Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That, that was his purpose. He's the savior of man. And so he says here, our sins are forgiven for his namesake because of who he is. He's Jesus, the savior of mankind. And so the new Christian they know that they're forgiven and that their forgiveness is on the basis of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. The second thing that characterizes the new Christian 
the new the, the child in the faith is that they know that God is their father. Look at verse 13. I write to you, he says at the end of verse 13, little children, because you have known the father. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. The new believer has a relationship with God as, as their father. And so the new believer would say, hey, my sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. And God's my father. And I'm his child. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. And, and that's, that's kind of the starting point for a Christian, for a new believer. But, but then we should grow as believers, the, the, the child should grow into a young man. That's, that's the next stage of development. We go from little children to young men or young women in the faith. Look at verse 13. John tells us in verse 13 that young men overcome the wicked one. That's a characteristic of a young man or young woman in the faith. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. If you're a note taker, that, that word overcome there, it means victorious. Victorious. So John commends the young man or the young woman in the faith because they are living a victorious life in Christ. They have victory over their sin. They're no longer dominated by sin. They're no longer dominated by, by self. And how do they do this? How do they overcome the wicked one? What's the secret to their victory. Well, John tells us in verse 14. Verse 14 is so wonderful what he says here. So insightful. He says in verse 14, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Now, I call this the victory sandwich. And the reason I call that is because you have on, on one side or one slice of bread, you have, you are strong. And then on the other side, you have, you have overcome the wicked one. And right there in the middle, kind of the meat of the sandwich is, the word of God abides in you. And that's the key. That's the secret. This is the reason that the young men, the young women in the faith. This is what makes them strong. This is what gives them victory because the Word of God is abiding in them. The Word of God is living in them. The Word of God is not departing from them. Now, John's not talking about here having just a, a general knowledge of the Bible. He's not talking about knowing just some of the, some of the Bible stories. He's saying... The Word of God abides in you. It dwells in you. It's at home 
in you. Now give me your attention for just a second. If you, and I hope you do, I know you do, if you want to be a strong believer, if you want to live a victorious Christian life, the Word of God must abide in you. It must live in, in you. There's no, you know, there's no shortcut to a victorious life. There's no secret sauce, right, to it. You know, if you were to ask um, um, Super Bowl champion Tom Brady, well, hang on, if you were to ask Michael Phelps, <laughs> I forgot who I was talking to for a second there. I'll save that for like a message up in New England or something like that, but... You know, if you were to ask Michael Phelps, you know, what, what, what makes you such a great athlete? How is it that you are an Olympic champion? Michael Phelps will not say to you, well, it just kind of happened. You know, I, I took some swim lessons when I was a kid and uh, had some practices, and then I won 23 gold medals. It doesn't work that way. Michael Phelps is going to say, I won because I was in the water every day. 365 days a year. I was in the water and I was putting in the time and I was putting in the effort and the training and that's what made me a winner. There's no shortcut. There's no shortcut to victory. There is a direct correlation between victory in your Christian life and your time in the Word of God. There is a direct correlation between victory in the Christian life in your time in the Word of God. You know, someone has said a Bible that is falling apart is usually owned by someone who's not falling apart. And that's true. Now, I want to show you a couple verses here. If you turn with me to Psalm 1 in your Bible. Psalm 1 says in verse 1, Blessed is the man, or that word blessed could also be happy. Happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight, what delights him, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The blessed man, the happy man, delights in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. He's in the word of God constantly, continually, meditating on it, chewing on it. That word meditating, as as I've mentioned before, that word meditating, it, it has the idea of a cow chewing its cud. You know, a, ch- a cow will chew on its cud throughout the day and kind of swallow it down and then bring it back up and chew on it some more. Swallow it down, bring it back up and chew on it some more. That's such, you know, you'll never forget that. <laughs> That's what the word meditate means. When it talks, it's not, you know, meditating on the scriptures biblically, it's not some kind of uh, Eastern mysticism meditation kind of thing. It's chewing on the word, thinking on the word, considering the word day and night throughout the day. Uh, Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. 
Here the Lord speaking says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Hide the word in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Look at what he says here. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You're talking about the word of God continually, no matter what you're doing. You're meditating on the word day and night. It's constant. It's continual in your home. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands. The idea there is everything that you put your hands to, all of your work, you know, the, the word of God is applied to it. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Everything that's on your mind should be filtered through the word of God. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates when, and when somebody comes into your house. The, you know, your home is filled with the word of God. This is the key to victory. This is the key to being a strong Christian. It's just being in the Word of God constantly. Go to Joshua chapter 1. You know, uh, the book right before Joshua is Deuteronomy. And Moses dies at the end of Deuteronomy. Joshua now in the book of Joshua in chapter 1. Joshua is named by the Lord as the new leader of the children of Israel after Moses died. And it's funny, as you read chapter 1 of Joshua, three times in this chapter, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. (laughs) Three times in one conversation. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And then the people say to Joshua, be strong and courageous, Joshua. You kind of get the sense that when Joshua's tapped to be the new leader, that he looked pretty scared at the task because everybody's saying to him, don't be afraid, just be courageous, you'll be okay. And I want you to see here what the Lord says to Joshua. He says in verse 8 of chapter 1, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Joshua, you're the new leader of, of the children of Israel. Be strong and courageous. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. If you meditate in the word day and night, Joshua, you'll succeed as a leader. You'll prosper in what God has called you to me how I know and I say bring truer than the finest crystal that's all we have time for today on ring of truth thanks for joining pastor Dan as he continued his verse by verse chapter by chapter study of the book of first John if you'd like a copy of today's message you'll be able to find it on our website calvaryec.com also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you never miss an edition of this program. Every time we post something new, you'll be notified. We'd love to hear from you too and learn how Ring of Truth has impacted your life. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Please let us know how we can be praying for you too. And if God's doing something wonderful, we'd love to rejoice with you. That number again to reach us is 410-491-4592. 
Do you live in the Baltimore, Washington area? If so, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. Find out more at our website. One more time, that's calvaryec.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Tune in next time to learn more from the book of 1 John with Pastor Dan, right here on Ring of Truth. Good night.